The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. I'd like to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, the very end of that chapter. It's uh, the prayer of Paul. He's praying for the church in Ephesus. He's been talking about some theological stuff up to this point, and now he's going to talk about life in the body, and he's going to pray first. And the, the prayer is the key to understanding the rest of the book. And I want to focus in on the prayer this morning. This is a passage of Scripture that I come back to continually as a source of encouragement and as a source of strength, and, and that's what I hope and pray for this morning. This morning I was out, I went for a, a, a prayer walk this morning, and I just asked God, please let the scripture come alive today. That, that's, that's really what uh, I would love to see happen this morning, is that this passage of scripture, what Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus, would become reality more and more for all of us in this room, and spreading out to all the Christians in Thailand and spreading out to all the world. And uh, let's take a look at that this morning. I'm starting in verse 14. And we'll be particularly zeroing in on the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ. So that's where we're going this morning. Starting in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. These are powerful words. Strengthened, power, Christ dwelling, all of us rooted and grounded in strength. It's interesting that he mentions that word twice. He wants us to be strengthened so that we can have strength. And then filled abundantly. Filled abundantly with the love of God. But the question that uh, we have to ask, this is the next slide, So that. So that what? What is the purpose of all of this? If we look at at the scriptures, you see that he's going along, and in verse 16, he says that God has riches of glory that he wants to pour out upon us to strengthen us through the power of his Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. That's the first so that so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. But there's a second so that, 
so that we might be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. To so that Paul wants Christ to come into our hearts in a powerful way because of the riches of God and the blessing of the Holy Spirit so that we can combine together with all of the saints being rooted and grounded in Christ. Strengthened together. You can go to the next slide. Strengthened together with all of the saints to know the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. All of the saints, all of us together here this morning, being filled, being blessed, having the riches of God poured out upon us. And I want to zero in on these verses, verses 18 and 19, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Let's go to the first one, breadth. The breadth of the love of Christ, embracing all of humanity. I got these subpoints from John Wesley. I was looking at John Wesley's notes about this, and he talked about how the breadth of the love of Christ embraces all of humanity. Jesus came and became one of us, one of all of us. He wants to save the whole entire world. The Incarnation is amazing that He would choose to become one of us so that He could save us. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. People from every tribe, language, people, all of us, all the people of the world gathered together because of the love of Christ. But not just that. God doesn't just want to save the good people from every tribe, language, people, and, you know, etc., etc. But he also wants to save everyone. Everyone, including, including the monsters including the bad people. Remember, Paul talked about how he was the chief of sinners. The love of Christ reaches to everyone. The love of Christ reaches to people like Hitler. God loved Hitler. God loved Pol Pot. I was uh, looking at MSN this week, and um, the reason why I chose this word monster is because it was in a news article about an Austrian named Joseph Fritzl. Have you guys read about him? I'll read you exactly what MSN said. Joseph Fritzl, who imprisoned his daughter for 24 years and fathered her seven children, said he was no monster and he could have killed her and her children had he wanted to, according to his lawyer. Now, I'd like to throw the switch for him, you know, 
But God loves even him. God loves everyone, everywhere. The breadth of the love of Christ. Go to the next slide. The next one. The length from everlasting to everlasting. I didn't have a picture of creation. Uh, The farthest back I could get was Noah. And then uh, this, this young Thai woman is worshiping about a year ago. I took that photo in Bangkok. From the beginning of time until the end of time, he's catching all of us up in salvation history. Listen to the words of Eugene Peterson. We need to recover the salvation story if the salvation words are to mean anything. Salvation is not a one-night stand. It cannot be isolated from the thick texture of history. It is all-encompassing, pulling everything that has happened and happens and every person named and unnamed into relationship with the God, with the work of God in history. Our God is a God of history. The Bible often uses phrases like, tell them the God of their fathers sent. Tell them to remember. And I I have always found it interesting that the New Testament, talking about our salvation, begins with a long, long list of people who came before Jesus. The genealogy. Jesus didn't just pop out of nowhere in nothingness. Jesus came down a long, long line of salvation history, and that long, long line has continued to go up until this, this very moment. There is no secular history. God is the God of history. Whether he is named or not, God is the God of history. And our place in God's history grounds us. It is a rock from which we can move out into new territory. Now, I know this personally in my life. I have some ancestry that tells me who I am. I, I had a mother who died of cancer when she was 49. And she was a fighter. And she, she fought cancer with all of her life. Until her very last, last breath. She fought and fought. And that created in me a desire to fight and fight for the things that I think are right and good. I have another ancestor. Uh, his name was John Knox in Scotland. And he helped to launch the Scottish Reformation. I remember those things. I remember those, these people that are part of my ancestry. And it gives me meaning. It gives me some direction. It gives me some purpose. No less for us. We have ancestors. Our ancestors are David and Hannah and Moses and Miriam, Adam and Eve, Thomas, Paul, St. Francis of Assisi, John Calvin, John Knox. The list goes on and on and on. The length of the love of Christ. It began long before us and it will go on into everlasting. The next slide is Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. You can look at that. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. 
But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like on wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The reason why they can mount up on wings of eagles and run and not faint is because our God is the everlasting God. And that's what gives us the rock on which we stand. And that's what propels us forward. That's what gives us the strength that we have to do the things we need to do. Our strength is grounded in the everlasting God. The prophets speak of everlasting covenants and everlasting joy. And in Daniel 4.3, Nebuchadnezzar says, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion endures from generation to generation. There is a length of the love of Christ from everlasting to everlasting. Now what about the height? The height of the love of Christ. And I, I like this. This was a little twist for me when uh, looking at Wesley's notes. Wesley said, not to be reached by any enemy. That God is so high that the enemy cannot reach him. You know from reading scripture that God is often referred to as God Most High. And in Psalm 103, it says, As high as the heavens and the east and the west. It talks about this height of God. He cannot be defeated. And we need not fear the enemy. I was told a number of years ago that during Chinese New Year, I should not go out. I should stay in my house. Because if I go outside... The, the spirits from the Chinese New Year will jump on me and they will cause all sorts of problems to me. And I just thought, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think that's, that's exactly when we should go out. We should go out and pray. We shouldn't be hiding in our houses because our God from everlasting to everlasting cannot be defeated. The cross proved that. Jesus cannot be defeated. I think that we should be, all the Christians in Thailand, we should go out in mass on these religious holidays. We should go to the water at Loi Kratong. And we should pray and sing songs and worship and light Kratongs with little crosses on them and launch them in the water. You know, think about it. Everybody's going to the water to seek forgiveness of sins and there's light Those are symbols of Christianity. Jesus is the living water. He's the light of the world. We shouldn't hide. And on Songran, we should uh, throw water on people, throw living water on people, and not hide. (laughs) Now, what about the depth? The depth of the love of Christ. Not to be fathomed by any creature. Who can understand the love of Christ? Really? Who can understand the love of Christ? God, the creator of the universe, the everlasting God, descended and became one of us, took on flesh and blood, just like what you can feel on your body, and then he was crucified, died, buried, resurrected. Who can understand that? The depths of the ocean. Who can understand the depths of the ocean? Who can understand 
the depths of God's love. In Job 7, it says this, Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Now, this is good information. It's good to know these things. But let's talk about some application. The application of the love of God. The breadth of the love of God. No one is beyond the love and the grace of God. No one. There is not one person. I'm sure that there are some of you here this morning, maybe, that think that you've got some sin in your life that God just can't take care of. Or maybe God doesn't really love you like you know, you've always heard. Or maybe you know somebody that's like that, who thinks that they're just not a good person and God couldn't really love them. No. No. God loves everyone. God loves you. God loves me. At my very worst, God loves me. At my very best, God loves me and God loves you. God loves all of us, regardless. And of course, that calls us then to be like God and to love God, to love others like like God loves them. And that's difficult. That's difficult to do that. I was looking at pictures this morning on MSN of uh, the tragedy in Myanmar. It sickened me. It sickened me to see what's going on. But God loves the generals of Burma. God loves everyone. I was uh, having a conversation with some some. Uh, people who are doing a great ministry here in Chiang Mai among uh, uh, women at risk, women that are uh, selling their bodies in Chiang Mai. And I was having this conversation. There were several of us talking, and there were two 20-something college uh, young women. And, and I wanted to know, I was kind of goading them a little bit. I kind of thought maybe I could get a... Get, get, a, get them to, to rile up uh, an answer for me. I asked one of them in particular, I said, what do you think of the men who come here? You go into the bars at night and you talk to the women and you're helping the women to find an alternative to the work that they're doing. But what do you think of the men? And I thought that this 20-something uh, young woman would say, oh, I hate them. You know, I just want to punch them. But she want to be true representative. And they are lost and they need God's love as well. And she said it with a smile on her face. And it was very humbling to me. The reality is, is that as I've thought about that, and as I've met more and more people on the front lines of action, people who are working directly with people who are suffering greatly because of other people, they are consumed with the love of God. And that's very humbling. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You can go to the next slide. Another application that we have this morning, this text talks about how together with all the saints, we are worshiping, we are working, we are witnessing, we are knowing the love of Christ. This morning when we were praying for Burma, 
we were not the only ones praying. There were people in Hong Kong this morning praying. There will be people in India this morning praying. This morning when we got up, worship was already going on in New Zealand and in Korea and then in Japan, and it's just kind of going on. There's this wave of worship on Sunday morning that's going around the globe, and we're part of that. We do not work, witness, worship, and pray on our own. This small group of Christians in Thailand who are struggling to make a difference. No. We're combined together with people from every tribe, language, people group all over the world praying, worshiping God together. We are not alone. Last night, I sent out my prayer letter. I send out a prayer letter a couple times a month, and it went to Hong Kong, the United Kingdom, United States of America, Cambodia, India, the Philippines, all of those people this morning, all those people last night and today are praying for my family, for Thailand, for Burma. We are not alone. All of the church, all of us together as saints, are worshiping, working, and praying together. The next slide, the length. It's not about us and our tiny little point in history. Now, that, that's a conviction that I have as an American, a Western American, who, uh, who has been taught and brought up in a culture where it's all about the individual. It's all about the individual and it's all about me. What do I want? What do I need? What, are, what, what will satisfy me? And not about the community, not about the family. It's not about us and our small point of time. We are grounded in the God of history and we're part of a long line of salvation history going all the way back in time. All of the saints from all time join us in worship today. All saints from all over the world are joining us in worship today. This is one of the things that's foremost in my mind when I lead worship. This is one of the things that's foremost in my mind when I'm here in a church gathering. A number of years ago, I was a teacher at a uh, Thai high school. I taught English. And uh, I was very discouraged at times because as far as I knew, in this whole school community of about 4,000 students and, I don't know, a couple hundred teachers, I was the only Christian. So I'd drive onto campus, past the great big Buddha, and at opening all the students would turn and they would chant and pray. But one of the things that God impressed upon me is that wherever I go, God goes as well. And wherever God is, all of heaven is. And wherever heaven is, that's where all the saints and the angels are. And I know it's mystical and it may not work for you, but I think it's true that this morning in some way which we can't really understand, all of heaven is here in this room. All of heaven is here. Those weird flying creatures with the wings and the eyes on the wings, and they're flying around right now in our midst saying, holy, holy, holy. And all the saints are here together with us. 
And wherever we go, we are going with all of heaven. And we are going with all of the saints all around us. Think about that next time you have to go to immigration. (laughs) Or the next time you're pulled over by that nice smiling man in a brown uniform. Or the next time you're having some serious conversations at your mission about some problems. That wherever you go, all of heaven goes. All of the saints from all of time join us in worship this morning. The next slide. The height. You know, I think it works in reverse as well. Not only does the breadth, the length, the height and the depth of God, the love of God, surround us and fill us and overwhelm us, but also none of those things separate us from the love of God. Paul, in another place in Romans, and you probably all know this scripture very well, but I have to contrast these side by side. Paul says, no, in all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. The breadth, the length, the depth, the height is so all-encompassing that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And I also couldn't help but think when I was preparing this message about the height of Christ or the height of the love of Christ that in Psalm 91, the Hebrew is very pictorial. It paints a picture for us. And Psalm 91 is a psalm about he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that God is like a chicken and you can be underneath his her, her feathers, and, and God will protect you and help you and save you. At the end of that psalm, there's a picture. The psalmist says, when the enemy comes and there's a battle all around you, God will pluck you out and put you on the Masada, on the high, high place where no enemy can come near you. God invites us not only to take all of this love of Christ into our lives, but to also join in with that, to join in and to embrace the breadth and the length and the height that God wants to make us inaccessibly high so that the enemy cannot truly harm us. And Jesus invites us to walk with him up into those heights. One more, the depth. No, We cannot understand. All of this knowledge we've been talking about this morning, all of these scriptures, all of the schooling that we've had, all of our experiences, we cannot truly understand. We cannot truly fathom the love of Christ. And that's okay. There is great mystery, and that's not a bad thing. And now Paul's benediction. Even then, even then when we don't understand, the love of Christ surpasses all knowledge 
And we are filled with God's fullness. And God can do all of this. Look again at Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20 and 21. He wants us to have this love of Christ in our lives. To be filled up with the fullness of God. And then Paul adds a benediction in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And I want to just read you, in closing, these, these last words of, uh, of Wesley when he's talking about this doxology. The language is a little funny, but I think it's really good. This doxology is, is admirably adapted to strengthen our faith that we may not stagger at the great things the Apostle has been praying for, as if they were too much for God to give or for us to expect from Him, that He is able. Here is a most beautiful gradation. When He has given us exceeding, yea, abundant blessings, still we may ask for more. And He is able to do it. But we may think of more than we have asked, He's able to do this also. Yea, and above all this, above all we ask, above all we can think, exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can either ask or think, God can give, God can do. So this morning, I hope that you find encouragement and strength from this, from these words of Paul. Because they're not just words to the church at Ephesus. They're words to us today. I'm going to read this one more time, just as the prayer, and I'm going to continue to pray for us. Let's, let's use this as a prayer, as it's intended. For this reason, we bow our knees before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to your riches and glory, you may grant to us that we may be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner beings. God, please let Christ come and dwell in our hearts through faith so that we might be rooted and grounded in love and so that we might have strength together to comprehend with all of your people throughout the world your love that is so broad and so long and so high and so deep that it surpasses all knowledge. And God, we ask that out of this deep deepness that you may fill us with all of your fullness. And God, you are able to do it. You are able to do far more than we ask or think according to your Holy Spirit who is working within us. And to you, God, we give you the glory in our church the glory in our families, in our lives, in our ministries, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations from the beginning of time until now, forever and ever. Amen. 
You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.